Anne, who's on, his mailing list, send real thanks to everyone for praying. I wonder if, you, if you've got a Bible tonight, uh, in whatever way you access that, if you go to Psalm 89, because we're continuing in part two of our series, simply called Big. And I think the heart behind this is, is that as we uh, go towards the Titchfield Park event uh, in July, we really believe for God to do something big. And, the, and Christian gave a great word last week about big purpose. And of course, the, in, in terms of our, our uh, psyche as a nation, he, he reminded, he talked about being geographically challenged. He didn't do that in any uh, demeaning way because he's a Brit full on and he loves his nation. And he wants to see hundreds of churches planted in his nation. Uh, but there is that side of us at times that whenever we mention big, people think we're getting carried away or we're being arrogant or we're getting too big for a boat. And I hope that you sense it in Arena Church, friends, we really don't want any of that. We want to live with a humility. We want to live with a servanthood. Uh, we want to live with an appreciation of others. We want to keep praying for others that reflect the kingdom in a different way, whose spirituality may be a little different to ours, but love the Lord. We, we believe in all of that, but we don't want to press down on the fact that God has got something big for us in these days, a big purpose that sits over our lives. And we need to press through into it and receive all that God wants to do. So that's the heart of this. And as we go towards uh, the Teachfield Park uh, weekend, the Saturday and then the Sunday, we believe in that God's going to do something big. There's going to be some big conversions. There's going to be some big turnarounds. There's going to be some big situations that change. There's going to be some big impact on this area of North Nottinghamshire for the glory of God and for the praise of his name. And tonight, as we thought about big purpose, I simply want to draw our attention to a big God. Psalm 89 says this, I will sing of the Lord's great love or the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord amongst the heavenly beings? In the council of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? Who, you, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. He's a great, big, wonderful God. I used to sing a song years ago in kids-type meetings. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing that he cannot do with actions, of course. And God is, is great. He is mighty. I'm going to, uh, towards the end of the message, just... Uh, to try and land it with the fact that how that big God identified with this relatively minute world in terms of the cosmos, the universe, the stars, and all the things that God has created. But I want us just to be inspired tonight because as Christians sow that seed of a big purpose, as we've heard in prayer tonight, and I'm going to go back to Ephesians 3. Josh didn't know I was going to mention that in the message, but I'm going to go back there in a moment. God's great power at work 
in us to do the big that he wants to do in us. And I say to people sometimes, you know, I have the privilege, as you know, to sometimes go to churches to represent our area and to represent our network. And sometimes I get a bit of a pump up, you know, Philippi, central area leader, you know. And I try and sort of pick the bubble straight away because the reality is, friends, that it's only God that could do anything in my life. You know, I come from such an ordinary background that it's frightening. And there's, there's nothing in me that could do what God has done. And uh, if God can do it in me, if God can use me in a little way, he can use anybody in this room tonight. He really can. He can use anybody. And as we heard last week, press through any sense of limitation that sits on your life. Hear me again. We're not talking about arrogance. We're not talking about big-headedness. We're not talking about, in quotes, getting too big for your boats. But we are talking about destiny and purpose and the bigness of God that sits over people in this room tonight. People that can touch a nation. People that can go to nations. People that can continually prosper in ministry. People that can impact those that are coming on behind. Because we've got a big God. And of course, theologians over 2,000 years have wrestled with this bigness. And they've come up with lots of complicated words to describe God. And some of them have given a lifetime to it. And here's a few, hopefully not too complicated words, that try and describe something of what God is. It's what the theologians call his attributes. He's described, of course, as creator. In the beginning was God. I don't know about you, fans, but I need far more faith to think, ooh, there was something, then there was a ooh. And then we've got all this complexity. I, I, I find it far easier to believe that Almighty God created the worlds, the heavens, that He laid on earth man and woman to bring dominion and authority. He's the creator. He's sovereign. And some people have made straight lines about his sovereignty. But the reality is that God does rule and reign in righteousness. He's immutable. It means he never changes. Malachi says, I, the Lord, change not. God's not different tomorrow to what he is today. He doesn't get up on Monday morning saying, Ooh, Monday morning. He's the same. He never changes. God's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's omniscient, he knows all things. He's omnipresent, he's everywhere. The psalmist says, even if I make my bed in hell, you're there. He's eternal, and so we could go on. He's a big God. And the writers of Scripture sometimes try and reflect this. The psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Maybe sometimes on one of those it's normally a frosty night, isn't it? You just look up into a big black sky and you see the stars just twinkling away. It's amazing. How far away are them? The heavens declare the glory of God. Moses says in Exodus, Lord, who is like you? Majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, doing wonders. David says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory. Isaiah said, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. They try to put words to the impossibility of describing an amazingly big God. And that God is here to help us. He's here to sustain us. He's here as one of the key prophetic words 
of Arena's journey. He's here to strengthen us. He's here to use us, as we've heard again tonight. And he's here for you. You may never have yet taken the step of becoming a believer. You may be a young person. You may be an older person. But you tonight can step into the greatness of God and believe that he's with you. As we've been praying tonight, as we've been believing, you know, I could hear those chains clanking all over the place tonight. Could you? And we were singing that fantastic song. You may have been praying over people that are in your world. And a great God's able to come and minister. The stuff of life that we all have to navigate. God is greater than it all. The psalmist says again, lift up your eyes to the Lord from where your help comes. Because he's the maker of heaven and of earth. A big God. And friends, just a few things for us to think about tonight. To encourage our hearts to continually deepen our journey after this amazingly big God. Firstly, he's bigger than our understanding. He's bigger than our understanding. Isaiah said in Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, that your ways are higher than my ways and your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. What we often try and do is reduce God to our size. It's called anthropomorphism. Okay. We make God like us. We reduce him to us, to our humanity, to our limited thoughts, to our to our, our intellect, to our comprehension. But he's way beyond that. And how many of us can give testimony, we've heard from Marnie even tonight, that God's ways and God's thoughts are higher than ours, they're beyond ours. And how often, hands up, no, not even hands up, but how sometimes we thought God's got it wrong, you know. And we've been quick to tell him, God, you've got it wrong. God says, no, no, I know what I'm doing. I've got it right all the time. But he strips away our self-dependency to bring us to a place of living in his power so that we might bring glory unto him. Things happen to us and happen to others that, frankly, friends, aren't easily understood. In our technological world, we had a Malaysian airline 747 disappear into the ocean, and weeks later, still nobody can find it. And it's not easy to understand the whys and wherefores of tragedies that we're all aware of now, through the media that rebounds across the world. We can bring spiritual and pastoral and even a philosophical approach to all of these things. To think about sufferings and disasters and crisis and pain. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't wrestle with these issues. But sometimes, in it all, we're still left with a why. And that's okay. For us to come to a place of not fully being able to give a coherent answer to everything that takes place. But God knows. He always knows. David Wilkerson, the founder of Teen Challenge, tragically was killed in a car accident just prior to his 80th birthday in 2011. And I want to read an extract from the last devotional that he gave out uh, through his communications and organization just days before he went to be with his Lord. An amazing prophet to his generation. And today, around the world still, thousands of men and women are being delivered from life-controlling problems because somebody heard God and moved into what he got for them. He says, someone has come 
It's a prophetic word, really. Someone has come to a place of hopelessness. The end of hope. The end of all means. Hope has gone. The miracle prayer doesn't seem to be happening. And this is when Satan's hordes can come to attack your mind with fear and anger and overwhelming questions. Where's your God now? You prayed until you had no tears left. You fasted. You stood on promises you trusted. Blasphemous thoughts can sometimes be injected into our hearts. Prayer failed. Faith failed. We don't quit on God. We just don't trust him anymore because it doesn't pay. Even questioning God's existence will sometimes come to our minds. And these have been the devices of the enemy for centuries. Some of the godliest men and women that have ever lived have come under such attacks. To those going through those situations, hear this word. Weeping will last through some dark, awful nights. And in the darkness, you will hear the Father's witness whisper, I am with you. I cannot tell you why right now, but one day it will all make sense. You will see it was all part of my plan. It was no accident. It was no failure on your part. Hold fast. Let me embrace you in the hour of pain. Dear friends, God has never failed to act in goodness and love. When all else fails, his love prevails. Hold fast to your faith. Stand fast in his words. There is no other hope in this world. Eugene Peterson, capturing the latter verses of 1 Corinthians 13, said this. We don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering into a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then, see it as clearly as God sees Knowing him directly, just as he knows us. Right now, until that completeness, trust steadily, hope unswervingly, and live, love extravagantly. God is bigger than our understanding. Secondly, friends, God is bigger than our intellect. The Apostle Paul goes to Athens in Acts chapter 17 with a word burning in his heart. The Bible tells us in verse 16 that he was distressed at the idolatry in one of the great cities of that day, and of course one of the great European cities of our day that's gone through awful crisis in the global recession. Greece has been one of the most nations most impacted by economic downturn, and there's been some horrific stories that have come out of that nation. But he speaks the gospel into the culture, He speaks about the greatness of God. He speaks about how incredible God is. And I want to read a verse or two to you from Acts 17 because Paul seems to be preaching about a big God. Verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed time in history and the boundaries of their lands. 
That's sovereignty. And God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. What was the reaction to this amazing message? Everybody running to his feet and saying, I want to get saved. No, the Bible says in verse 32 that some sneered and says, we'll listen to you another day. One translation says, they laughed at him, walking off, making jokes. I wonder if that's ever happened to us. We've shared with somebody the greatness of God, the bigness of God. We thought they're going to get saved, and they've done the very, very opposite. They've sneered. They've walked off making a joke. Friends, when people make a joke of Arena Mansfield, let's keep going. When people sneer, when the gospel message is declared, let's keep going. Because the Apostle Paul had exactly the same response. But God is bigger than our intellect. You see, the Grecians reveled in being clever. In fact, far too clever for their own good. Grecian thought, Greek and thought, it, it, just, it, it was just something that, that they just loved to, to sort of uh, pick over and, uh, and, uh, and talk about and discuss and debate. And these people, frankly, in their arrogance, thought they were just a little bit too clever for the challenge of God in Christ Jesus. I suggest, friends, that we live in a similar age today. There are many so-called intellectuals around that are sneering at the message of Jesus. That they say, I don't need God and I've no time for God. Let's be clear. We believe in an arena church and encouraging our kids. And, and you heard Christian last week about doing a night class, doing an evening class, doing something you've never done before. Marnie going on a, a new course at work. We believe in people developing their mind, being diligent in their studies, being disciplined in their exam preparation. We believe in all of that, but that's not going to get you to God's. And we believe in all of that, not at the expense of saying that we don't need this great big God to come to our life. Don't let your head take you to cynicism, to religion, and to death. God is bigger than our intellect. He wants to engage our minds, but he also wants to touch our hearts that he might shift our will to be compliant to his purpose. That's a great follower of the Lord. Thirdly, friends, God is bigger than our expectations. The verse that George led us in tonight in prayer at the end of Ephesians 3, that God's able to do far more than we can imagine or think according to his power that is at work within us. He's able to do more. And brothers and sisters, in this season here in Arena Mansfield, we just want to go to the next level of more. We're thankful for all that he's done. We really are, and I know that you are. We're thankful, friends, for these great Sunday night meetings where it's great to be in the house of God, worshipping the Lord. We're, we're in a church that's booked the trend of growth on a Sunday evening, uh, which hasn't, doesn't take place in lots of churches. We're so thankful for the building. We're so thankful that there are exciting things ahead of us. But there's more. There's more. He's able to do more than we can ask, imagine, or think. And so as we begin to aspire and to dream 
and to hope and to believe. Don't stop. Because whatever you're hoping and believing and dreaming, God says, I want to do more. I'm so thrilled, and I've said it on a number of occasions, and I make no apology for saying it again. I'm so thrilled when Christian gets up, and he just lifts the levels of what we're seeing. He doesn't talk about hundreds. He talks about thousands. He talks about the big things that are in his heart. And Christian, God's able to do more. And maybe part of that dream is not just going to work out in terms of a local context, but in this journey, in this season, in this mantle that God's given you uh, for church planting. Thousands of people come into faith across the nation as you see the more. And I really sense that you're just in that epicenter of what God wants to do for you. You're right there and God's going to do it. So let's just lift the levels. It may be that tonight you're just praying for your son or your daughter to come back to the Lord. But God's able to do more. He's able to bring them back to him and then use them in an amazing way. It may be tonight you're praying for somebody that's lost some money. Or they're in difficulties. God's able to do more. He's able to restore that and give them way beyond in Jesus' name. And so we just believe him that God's bigger than our expectations. We received a word just before the prayer season about thinking big. And Christian had this picture of an elephant. Can you remember, Christian? About eight weeks, six or eight weeks ago. And there's a word, that elephantine. It means to think big. And we confess the elephantine purposes of God over everybody tonight. And we realize that the enemy wants to press down. Because some of you already hear it. Mansfield. Mansfield. Yeah. More than we can ask or think. In this area. Yeah. More than we can ask or think. Through me. Yeah. More than we can ask or think. He's bigger than our expectations. And we just ask you to press through. To press, Friends, I have to work at this still. I, that literally... It starts to come down on me and I have to press through. I have to press through to say, God, there's so much more. You know, and, and there's people telling me to slow down. I just think I'm getting going. I think there's so much by God's grace in front, friends. I don't want to miss it. I want to be part of this and what God's doing in these days. I think, it, you know, people say, well, how long have you been in Mansfield? So nearly four years, but we just started. There's so much more. There's so much more community involvement. There's so many more kids to find Jesus. There's so many more kids clubs and youth clubs to emerge. There's so much more from TMP to happen. There's more. There's more. There's more. And don't let anything squeeze us back down, friends, because he's able to do it exceeding abundantly more than we can ask. What I love about God is he always wants to do it through people. I mean, sometimes I wonder why. But he keeps wanting to do it through people. None of this is caused by Red Bull. It's caused by, caused by big God. Hallelujah. And, uh, and uh, we just thank him for all that he wants to do. Moving on briefly, God's bigger than our challenges. This morning, we heard a great message, and I got this in my notes before Christian minister. We had a great message on David and Goliath. And if you get a chance to listen to the podcast, do so, because the story was opened up again. And uh, the thing I got from this morning, you can always get something fresh, can't you? You know, um, and I love the story of David and Goliath, you know, and the giant killer thing, and it works itself in all sorts of different contexts. The thing I got this morning is that the world may know. It really touched me, that the world 
may know. God wants to give churches victory that the world may know. That the world will see something. How did they do that? How on earth did they do that? Little old arena, Ilkeston Friends, has been quoted by the Guardian of all papers this morning. They don't like God. But they said, we've got one of the best allotment projects in the country. It's incredible. It's incredible. And if you read the Guardian, I'm sorry, but I read the Guardian once. I thought this is the most boring newspaper I have ever read in my life. You know, so I'm sorry if you're a Guardian reader, but uh, I don't get it, you know. But um, John, are you a Guardian reader? You're staring at me. (laughs) God bless the Guardian. David and Goliath, I don't know how I got onto that, but I found myself getting into trouble. But anyway, verse 34, they ran away with great fear. They ran away. And fear is horrible, friends. The Bible says that fear brings torment. Fear inhibits us. Fear impedes us. Fear intimidates us. But it's not of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's not something that's inhibiting. That's something that's liberating. But David believed in a big God. He says, I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And as I say, if you want to hear the story laid out really, really well, listen to the message. It was brilliant. But you know, friends, how that the giant was slain. There are giants that sit tall over this town. I'm telling you, they're coming down in the name of Jesus. They're going to be toppled in the name of Jesus. They've had their way long enough. They've sat tall over this town long enough. They've laughed and mocked the people of God long enough. And it's over. The giants are going to be toppled because there's a people emerging. There's an army arising that's believing that the Lord God Almighty is going to do an amazing work. Not only slain, but heads chopped off, never to hurt this community ever again. And some of you prophetically are going there right now, and you've got a revelation of what some of those giants are, as I have, but I'm not going to articulate them tonight. But I know what sits over this town. And they need to come down in Jesus' name. Someone says God is not just the God of history, past. He's not just the God of prophecy, future. But he's the God of present, now. Thank God. We thank God for our history, friends. Because every one of us are to some degree defined by it. We're here tonight because someone prayed. Someone shared. Someone invited. Someone discipled. Someone encouraged. We thank God for all that. We thank God for prophecy that's forever taken us forwards. But let's not miss the now of God. What is God doing now in our lives? And I believe that God's raising an army here. I felt it strong tonight. I I felt a militant in the right sense. We had a militant spirit rising up tonight from a people of God that wanted God to do something in Jesus' name. And friends, we, we know that worship takes different tracks week after week as the band leaders. But let's not be afraid to step into that in Jesus' name and claim the ground for God because our God is greater than our challenges. There are giants at times that sit over your life. We've heard about tonight the giant of redundancy. It may be tonight the giant of of a failed expectation. It may be the giant tonight of some seeming defeat. But I want to tell you tonight that even in your own personal work, God is greater than the challenges. We're not underestimating the challenges, 
But he's greater than the challenges. He's able to bring you through in an amazing way. And finally, God is bigger than our disbelieving. I quoted somebody this morning that said, he didn't didn't feel very much like a born-again believer, but but a doubting believer, because in a crisis, his prayer seemed so feeble. Somebody came up to me after the service and says, amazing what people pick up into. Thanks for saying that, because I think my prayers sometimes are so feeble. Well, pray as you can, not as you can't. Because sometimes I think my prayers sound so feeble. But God hears his friends. And sometimes I shout, but I don't have to shout at God to get his attention sometimes. Sometimes it's a whisper. God, will you just step into that situation? And sometimes I'm praying for things. And just like this person in Mark chapter 9, this father that had, for whatever reason, a son that was bound by the powers of darkness was convulsing. And Jesus says, "Um, what do you want me to do? And he says, Lord, obviously I want him to be delivered. He says, well, and the Lord says, if you believe it will take place. He says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Or again, as the message says, I believe. Lord, help me with my doubts. And it's this contradiction we live with at times. But you know, sometimes you'll have the little voice in your heart saying, well, everybody else in the church believes with 150% surety you're the only person in Arena Mansfield that's got any little doubt. What a bad Christian you are. Now, the reality is, friends, it's where we all sit sometimes. Sometimes we have a real leap of faith when passion is... But there are times when we confront things. Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. Friends, God is greater than our disbelieving. Because sometimes I get a bit worried that some communicators seem to wrap faith up in such a tight formula that I think, well, I'll never attain to that to get the breakthrough. But Jesus delivered this guy, this little lad from the powers of darkness. Jesus delivered him, even though his dad confessed that there was something in him that believed, but yet also pulled back. Jesus stepped right in and set him free. And I encourage you tonight, friends, to press through. When you draw near to God, but sometimes unbelief crouches at the door of your heart, and to believe that God will do Amazing things. He has called us friends here in Arena Church in this season. He is gathering people together. It's been fantastic. God's bringing together ordained relationships in this season. Bone against uh, joining with bone. Knit together by, by, by the beautiful workings of the Spirit of God. That knits together the body of Christ. People being called from and called to people being saved out of darkness into light. So much more to come. But God has called us in this season to fulfill his God-ordained destiny that sits over this town and beyond. And for us to exercise our delegated authority to see a generation one for Jesus Christ. God is a big God. But how could we get to a big God? Because he came so small. We've got one or two little babies around arena at the moment. We've got little Daniel, brother to Timothy, and others. And of course, you see them growing month by month. And you see some of these teenagers now sort of beginning to be above their dads. But little babies. The Bible tells us, friends, that the Lord of all glory, though he thought it not robbery to equal with God, came as a little baby, so small. In meekness and majesty, absolute humility, 
to a manger in Bethlehem and lived for 33 years on this earth and gave himself upon a cross so that tonight, friends, we could be here. The word made flesh dwelling amongst us. He came in humility and servanthood and sacrifice and substitution. And I want to say tonight, you're not a substitute because he was. You're not a second choice because he stood in the gap. He's the only one that could pay the price. He's the only one that could make the way for little old you and me to get to an amazingly big God. And he did it by becoming so small, so insignificant, so tiny. And he did it in the amazing purposes of God. Friends, tonight in this season, as we press forward, as we don't get used to what we've got, but move into the more of what God wants to give us, We've been reminded that God's got a big purpose that sits over us. And tonight it's been my joy for a few moments, albeit falteringly, and far greater theological minds that could articulate the bigness of God better than me. But to remind us tonight that our big God is greater than our understanding. He's greater than our intellect. He's greater than our expectations and our challenges. And yes, he's even greater than our disbelieving. Let's rise up, people of the Lord, and say with the psalmist, O Lord Almighty, who is like you, because in response to a big God, guess what? We can live a big life. Let's pray.